um, this past Sunday, I wasn't here. I was speaking at another church in Louisiana, and I was on my way home. I started driving home uh, around four, no, 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 around six o'clock, because after the two services at the church, went out to eat with the pastor, blah, blah, blah. So we did this, blah, 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 and I'm on my way home. So it's like 11 o'clock at night. I'm driving from Louisiana back here, and just as a sidebar, uh, if I saw it once, I saw it a thousand times, these billboards that said, exit now for crocodile tail. I'm like, seriously? Ooh, I better get now. <laughs> crocodile tail, got to have it. Um, but uh, anyway, they just have a different menu selection in Louisiana. It was, it was fascinating. Uh, but, but anyway, um, I think they only eat things that come out of the swamp. If it doesn't come out of the swamp, then is there anyone here from Louisiana that you're about to leave? Okay, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Go Tigers. Okay. All right, back to... All right, um, so uh, I'm driving back, and all of a sudden I start thinking these thoughts. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, uh, but I'm going to be super transparent. So I'm, I'm driving. It's about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and um, I, I don't know what happened to me. I just started thinking uh, that my daughter is 11 years old, and she's starting to get old, and she's got this life now, right? Um, and uh, she's got friends, and she has a schedule, and um, like we're supposed to have a date night on the first Monday of every month and I've been like bumped like four times we haven't had one this month and I, I keep on like are you available are you available are you available she's 11 okay and uh, so I'm driving in the car and I'm realizing that she's like grown up right underneath my nose how many people know that that days are long but years are fast you ever realize that and so I'm driving, I'm like, man, my, my oldest daughter is, you know, once she gets her driver's license in, in four or five years, I'm not going to see the girl. And so I start wondering, how good of a dad have I been for the last 11 years, and, and am I close to her? And so I made the decision, sitting there in the car, that I've been a horrible dad, okay? Then I go to my next kid, he's seven, and... I, I, I realize, you know what, Frankie, you're a horrible dad to Luke, too. I'm completely convinced. Uh, hold on. Just stay with me. I go to my next one. She's 21, 21 months, and I'm, I've convinced myself, driving on the road, that I've been a horrible dad to Kate, too. So I'm like the world's worst dad. I have convinced myself for 20 minutes per kid, okay? Now, I go to my wife, and I realize that my wife... Uh, is far better than what I deserve, which I already knew that. But having just graded myself on my kids, now I have determined that I have been a horrible husband. Then you're next, okay? <laughs> and then I realize I've been the sorriest, worst pastor ever in the world, right? So I've, 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 I'm like for 45 minutes. Then I back up and I see myself outside of myself. Have you ever done that? And I'm driving in the car and, and or the truck rather, and I'm like this. And I'm like, I drink coffee. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Shake yourself. And, and this thought came to my mind that I've shared with you guys many times. It's an acronym for HALT. Anytime you're hurt, angry, lonely, or tired, HALT, right? And so I'm like, whoa, HALT. And so it's like, thank God that you know, God brought that back to my mind, HALT. And, and I realized, Frankie, you are exhausted and your brain is going crazy right now. None of this is true. This is absolutely ridiculous. You're an awesome pastor. Yeah. 
Uh, I just had to throw that out. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, my name is Frankie, and I'm good enough, and I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. No, just... <laughs> All right, so um, if you're a visitor, this is not abnormal, by the way. This is, <laughs> this is par for the course. Um, so I, I realized that I'm exhausted, and so I started looking at my, what I've been doing for the last 24 hours. So my son, who's eight years old, plays football. He had an away game, believe that, in Huntsville. Okay, so that was 45 minutes. And like, how you're eight years old and you have an away game? What's up with that? Um, so anyway, Saturday morning, I drove to Huntsville, drove back, showered, ate with the family. Then at five o'clock or six o'clock, I started driving to Louisiana, got there like around midnight because I stopped 14 times for coffee. And anytime I see, a, what's the, the gas station with the chipmunk? Okay, if I see a Bucky's, I can have a full tank of gas and be full. I'm still pulling over, okay? Anyone with me? I'm pulling over. If I see a Bucky's, I'm pulling over, and I'm going to go look at all the beef jerky and decide if I want any. And I'm going to go look at all 17 pickles that they have, and, the, and then I'm going to go look at all the bumper stickers and, and everything else. So it took me like eight hours to get there. It's only a five-hour drive. So I get there in the middle of the night. I'm exhausted. I wake up at 5.45, whatever, go to the church, do the deal, do the deal, do the deal. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sloshed. I'm completely sloshed. So I'm thinking all these thoughts that are completely false. They're completely wrong. And so I was telling a buddy about this this afternoon. Uh, no, it was yesterday evening. He was like, man, the devil jumped in your truck. And I was like, I know. He goes, you should have pulled over and told him to get out. I said, I would have, but I would have thrown myself out. <laughs> under the circumstances, right? So, so this is what I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about that exact thing. And it was just so cool that First uh, Timothy chapter 4, I was going to preach chapter 4 before I knew what it was because last Wednesday we did chapter 3. This Wednesday we're doing chapter 4. So I was going to do chapter 4 regardless. I open it up. I start reading. I'm like, yes, because this is exactly what I just experienced just this past Sunday. So the, the thought or the, the title is training to listen. Training to listen. And, and to be able to, to recognize certain voices for what they are. To recognize them. And uh, I said this a few weeks ago, and, and it's just coming to my mind, so I want to say it again. That the sa Satan rings the doorbell before he comes to your house. He always rings the doorbell. And, and you know that he's rung the doorbell. He, he actually tells you, hey, I'm about to come into your world. He, he knocks on the door. And, and you know that the footfall of Satan is coming closer to you with, because the first thing that changes is your imagination. When your thoughts begin to go down a road that is not uplifting, that is not righteous, that when your thoughts just begin to go down that road, ding dong, Satan's here, I'm coming in. The minute your thoughts go down that road, and you know what road I'm talking about, you look at your kid, you look at your, your wife, you, I, was have, I had an awesome life group the other day, man, awesome, awesome. Um, it, it, this, this guy was sitting there and he said, look, you know, um, I'm in a blended family and you know, uh, it, it's just sometimes I get mad at the blended family that I'm in and they didn't even do anything. And I was like, I love my life group. 
I love my life group because it was that level of honesty. Because they didn't even do anything and I'm mad at them. And I'm like, I, I understand that. I get that. If you didn't come from a, a blended family, maybe you don't understand that. I come from a blended family. Sometimes you just look at them and you're mad at them because they're there. Oh, you want to act holy tonight. My bad. <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. Sometimes you just get mad because they're there. And the minute, the minute, the second that thought, that imagination goes down that dark road, you know Satan just showed up and he's, and he's there to be a puppet master. He's there to be a puppet master. He, he's going he's gonna to start running things. He's going to run your... And, and know this, anytime he's messing with your head, he's probably messing with the head of the person that you're in the room with too. And let, this is just for free. If, if you're ever not talking to somebody, you refuse to talk to them because you're mad at them. If you're ever not talking to somebody and you're not talking with each other, Satan's talking to both of you. Just know that that was worth the price of admission right there, wasn't it? If you're ever not talking to somebody, whether it's your best buddy, your boss, your wife, if you're ever freezing each other out, you're not talking to each other, Satan's talking to both of you. And here comes those thoughts right there. Boom, those thoughts start coming. And, and we just got to begin to recognize straight away. Okay, somebody just knocked on the door. Somebody just showed up. The minute you start getting discouraged, if you're in sales, just let me talk to you because I used to live in sales. When when you hear no, when somebody tells you no and you're in sales, this is coming from somebody who used to be in sales, no means next. No means next. You don't even hear no. Next, 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 next. You don't even hear no. The minute you start hearing no's, it starts getting to you. And it, you start thinking, I'm not ever going to close a sale. I'm 0 for 17. And, and you start getting down. You start getting discouraged. And if it's not in sales, it's in everything. You're, you're, the minute those negative thoughts start coming, just know somebody from hell just showed up in your room. Showed up in your house. Showed up in your car. And so that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about these thoughts. And, and any thought you entertain gets stronger. Would you write that down just to appease me? Any thought that you entertain gets stronger. The more you think about it, the stronger it gets. And, and your emotion begins to attach to that thought. See, I didn't write any of this down. And, and what I'm saying is better than what I have written down. So I want to dismiss everybody now. <laughs> right? I just want to just say, hey, you know, come back up here and sing again. You know, Frank Sinatra, somebody asked him, I said, how do you know when you open your mouth the right note is going to come out? And, he, you know, he's part of the Rat Pack, so he had this cigarette, and he goes, I open my mouth, and it just comes out. I'm like, dude, that's not fair. I open my mouth, and stuff comes out, too, and it sounds terrible. First Timothy chapter 4. What kind of ego is that? I open my mouth and it just comes out. Okay. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Holy Spirit tells us. Look at this. This is so awesome. The Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits. Everybody say they will follow deceptive spirits. 
Oh, you guys sound good tonight. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. All right, so we're, we're going to unpack this the same way I studied it, okay? I read that first verse. I know I got another 30 verses to go. You just close the Bible and just go, let's think about this just for a second. Let's think about this just for a second. The very first thing that this is saying is that the Holy Spirit tells us clearly. So if you're taking notes, point number one, the Holy Spirit talks to you. Like, that is so big. That is so big. The Holy Spirit talks to you. You say, well, what does the Holy Spirit sound like? The Holy Spirit sounds positive. The Holy Spirit is full of hope. The Holy Spirit is, uh, um, if, if it's uplifting, if it's encouraging. Now, sometimes when you're depressed, you'll muffle out the Holy Spirit. Okay, because you'll, you, that's not true. Those good things are not true. You know, my life is going down the gutter. So those things are not true. And so you'll, you, you'll, you'll, muv, you'll muzzle the Holy Spirit. But if you're taking notes... The Holy Spirit speaks to us. In John chapter 14, verse 26, it says this, that the Holy Spirit teaches you all things. Uh, Let me just say it the way it's written. I memorize it this way. The Holy Spirit teaches you all things and brings all things to your remembrance. But the way it says it uh, in the NIV, it says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, what does that mean? That means for anyone in here that you don't really want to read the Bible a lot because you feel like you're going to forget it all anyway. So why read it? Because you're going to forget it all. Anyone here ever think that? I'm going to forget it all anyway? Well, you got either being holy again. I remember everything. (laughs) This is what the Bible is saying. It's just read it and put it in there. Just read it and put it in. It's not gone. You may think it's gone, but it's not gone. What will happen is the Holy Spirit will bring it back to your remembrance. Let, let, Let me give him. Absolutely. Let me give you an illustration uh, with, with this. Here's an antidote. Have you ever walked into somebody's house and, and think, this place smells like my grandma's house? Have you ever thought that? Like, have you ever walked into a restaurant and just like, and you go back 30 years? And you're like, this, this smells like my second grade classroom. Like, oh my God. It, have you ever done that? Like, wow. Like, you smell something and it takes you 40 years back. You didn't even know you knew what that smelled like anymore. But the minute you smelt it, it was like, bam. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You got to put it in there. You got to put it in there. You may think, I uh, mean, I think I'm just, I, I don't know. I have no idea what I just read. Just put it in there. Everybody say, put it in there. Just put it in there. Just put it in. Just lay in bed. Do what I do. You know how I read the Bible? I read my Bible on my iPhone, the fake phone, my iPhone, my, the fake Bible. Um, and and I, I lay in bed like this, and I just thumb through, and I read, and I read, and then I highlight, read, highlight, read, highlight, read, 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 highlight. I... That's how I read. That's how I get my sermons. I know you believe that. For real. We can tell. <laughs> we can tell you're telling the truth Um, (laughs) just get it in there get it in your head 
Get it in your head. Um, let me say this. Um, number two. Demons speak as well. So point number one is Holy Spirit speaks. Number two, demons speak. That's what it says right here, is that they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Demons teach. Demons teach people. Like, the Bible is so incredible if you read it slow. So the Holy Spirit teaches... The Holy Spirit speaks, and demons speak, and demons teach. So who's training who here? Who's training us? Like, we got to be able to recognize, like, whoa, hold on a second here. Now, here's the thing. Demons can be incredibly convincing, incredibly convincing write this down second uh, corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 it says and no wonder for satan himself masquerades as an angel of light you know what that means sometimes you think you're looking at an angel and it's not an angel it's satan like you you, you think it is but it's not and, and that's why so this is so important. Has anyone ever heard of the God card before? Raise your hand if you've heard of the God card. Here's the God card. You're in the middle of a conversation, and they say, well, God, God told me. Well, as soon as they say God told them, now you're done, right? Okay. Like you win. Like I can't argue with that. What am I going to say? God didn't tell you? God didn't say that? Does anyone here have anybody in their life where they say that a lot? And then God told me this, and then God told me that, and then God told me this. And it's just like, well, this is a one-way conversation because I can't argue with that. Here's the thing. Demons are so incredibly convincing. They're so incredibly convincing that when we say God told us, when we say God told us, write this down, it should be confirmed, not convinced. When you're convincing the person you're talking to that you've heard from God, you have to wonder if you've heard from God. When I've had a prophet or somebody prophesy over me, what they tell me, I may not have ever put it in those words, but I already knew it. Does that make sense? It's like I kind of already knew that. Um, uh, I could give lots of examples. But uh, when somebody tells me something from God, I, like I kind of already knew that. It's, it's confirming. Oftentimes when I think that God has spoken to me, I'll say, I'm not sure if this is God or if this is me, but this is what I'm thinking. And I'm kind of like, how's that resonating with you? How many times have you heard me from the pulpit say, God said to me, how many times have you heard me say that? Zero, right? Because so often I've had it up to here with people that give themselves credibility by saying God told me. It's, it's nauseating to me. God told me, God told me, God told me. Well, hey, okay. When God is really speaking to somebody, and He's really speaking through you, it should be supernatural. 
And what is supernatural? That means you are operating very naturally. It's your natural personality. It just happens to have more of an impact when you say it. It's super, even though you're moving natural. Where did I learn that? Pastor John Osteen, he said that. John Bevere said something one time, rocked my world. Now, John Bevere is one of the most esteemed prophets I've ever heard in my life. Raise your hand if you ever heard John Bevere. This is what he said one time. He goes, I've had people come up to me and say, John, why don't you prophesy more when you're preaching? He goes, what they don't understand is I'm prophesying all the time. The only thing I'm not doing is putting an introduction on it by saying, and then God said. (laughs) He goes, just because I don't put an introduction on it doesn't mean that God didn't say it. I'll have a thought come to my mind and then I'll begin to talk about that subject. I'll begin to talk about that topic. I'll begin to talk about it. And then all of a sudden, I know that God's speaking through me. We got invited, uh, was it last night? Last night? Uh, yeah, it was last night. So um, we were invited, my wife and I, and we took some staff members to this really uppity, uppity um, thing here in the woodlands. It's like one of those fundraiser things, and it's kind of like the who's who, and everybody's kind of, you know what I'm talking about? Feathers and One of those, one of the, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, I was getting back into my car, and uh, I turned around, and I saw somebody that I thought I recognized, and I was like, I need to talk to that guy real quick. I said, hey, man, it's so good to see you again. I think I saw you a couple weeks ago. His wife was saying right there, hello, my name is Frankie. I said, hey, man, you know something? I've been meaning to say this. And I started sharing, boom, he starts crying. She starts crying. The valet is bringing our car up, bringing his car up. Cars are backing up now. He's crying. She's crying. I'm feeling the presence of God on me. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm sharing a word from God. But I didn't say, look, God wants me to tell you something. And why is that? Because a word from God should be confirmed, not convinced. Are you with me now? Did I explain that better that time? That's why there's a lot of young people that are upset with their older generation because they feel like people have been convincing them with the Word of God. God said, God said, and and these these teenagers, they're not going to fake it. Like, I don't believe you. You see what I'm saying? It it ought to confirm. And so I just want to say that it's a mature Christian that says, hey, um, just tell me if this resonates with you. This is, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. John the Baptist did that. He was behind bars. He had just baptized Jesus in front of everybody. He goes, hey, everybody, this is the Son of God. This, this is the, I'm not worthy to unstrap his sandals. This is the Son of God. A couple days later, he gets arrested. He's behind bars. One of his disciples comes up and says, hey, man, this is what Jesus is doing. John says this. Um, go, go ask him if he's the son of God or if we should be looking for somebody else. If John the Baptist can be transparent enough to go, um, I, I may have missed it. We need to be okay with recognizing that the enemy is constantly talking to us. 
And let me say this as well. This just came to my mind as well. Has anyone ever heard the phrase a prophetic word? A prophetic word. Oftentimes God will give a prophetic word and the word is right. But then we put the sentence around the word and now all of a sudden it's wrong. God gave a word. And then the word, we're not quite sure how that makes sense. So now we're going to make it make sense. And guess what? It's, it, people have egg on their face after that. You can't make it make sense. If he gives you a word, it's a word. That's why it's not called a prophetic sentence. Are you with me? See, I, you know what? I'm going to be real true. You know what? This is what I'm feeling in the room right now. I'm feeling half of the room going, oh, this feels so good to just to be like honest and talk about the elephant in the room. And then I'm feeling the other side of the room that's really into prophecy going, I don't, I don't know that I like what you're talking about right now. <laughs> and so, but here's the thing. We're, we're family. Yeah. We're family, right? We're family. And, and it, it breaks my heart to have half of the room uncomfortable and the other half of the room happy. It, it, it breaks my heart. This is what I'm trying to say, is we have got to be responsible when we say the Lord has said. We have got to be responsible. When you say, God told me, you better be ready to stand in front of God and God look at you and say, I never said that. You're telling people that I said something that I didn't say. The Bible says that we will be held accountable for every word that comes out of our mouth. And so we go around and we tell people that we've heard from God and we get a little stroke by looking at their face and their face lights up because we're saying we heard from God. Like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, hold on a minute here. Are you ready to stand in front of God and say, I, yeah, I told everybody that you talked to me and, and God's going to look back and I didn't say any of that. I don't know what you're talking about. You misrepresented me. Why did you represent me? Did what the, the direction of that conversation, did that help you in any way? So you manipulated the conversation and the relationship by using my name. Why am I talking about this right now? Because I am beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I feel the presence of God right now. I, I, I've, beyond a shadow of a doubt do I know that this church is, is about, well, we are on the tipping point. We are on the precipice of something that we have all been craving, but we don't know how to put it into words. But we're craving it. We're desiring something real, something that's authentic. Uh, nothing like, the, like the, the past. I'm just saying, it looks nothing like the past. God only does one burning bush, okay? He only did one burning bush, okay? He didn't, never did a burning bush again. Whatever we've experienced in the past that is amazing and it's awesome... Uh, we're trying to duplicate that. Like It's kind of like going to the Renaissance Festival. And, and you see people uh, doing these wars um, and, and these fightings. They're reenacting an event that happened 50, 60, 70 years ago. And it's entertaining, right? We, we see people... Re- Do you understand what I'm saying? Raise your hand. You see people reenacting... The, 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 the battle of 1812. They reenact. Have you ever seen that? One of these days I'm going to play it on the screen. The people dress up and they reenact the Civil War. 
They go out there. These are grown adults showing up in costumes. They reenact the Civil War. They're going back to that. And what a lot of people do is they hear about a church down the street that's moving the way they've been. They've seen it before. But the reality is, is that they're so hungry for a move of God that they're reenacting something that they've seen before. And then you show up and you run from church to church and you try this and this one has a revival and this one has a, this one has it and you run all the way around and the truth of the matter is is that these are sheep that are just hungry for a move of God innocent sheep that are hungry for a move of God and some people get so hungry and so desperate that they reenact something that they've seen before hoping that it's going to come alive again and and that's not how God moves that's not how God moves. And it, it breaks my heart as a pastor because you see people running around all over the place. They go to this conference. They go to that conference. They fly to this city, fly to that city. And somebody go, puts on Facebook, we're having a revival. And it's like, oh, my God, I got to go over there, too. And, and it, they're not charismatics. They're cruismatics. Is it, am I preaching okay, pastor? Is it, this is reality. We want something so bad that we will reenact what we've seen before. And that's not how he moves. That's not how he moves. Here's the reality. I genuinely believe there's something precious in our church. There's something so precious. I don't, I can't, it, you know, I just heard from some, when we do this growth track, growth track 101, 201, 301, it's so awesome because we're able to ask Hey, what was it about Celebration Church that you, that you fell in love with first? Almost nine times out of ten, they, they say this. Before I even walked into the sanctuary, all these greeters were like shaking my hand and hugging me. And I didn't even know who they were. They were hugging me. I, it, and they love this place before they come into the sanctuary. That's not normal. This church has some of the nicest people. I know I say it and it sounds try all the time. You guys really are nicer than what you may think you are. This place is really friendly and nice and awesome. And there's so many of you that have been praying like you've never prayed before. You've been a Christian for years and years, but you're praying like you've never prayed before. I'm just telling you, something is brewing in the air. Something's brewing in the air. Now watch this. Before you clap, hold on. Before you clap, let me say this. What's brewing in the air is fresh. It's fresh. It's new. It, and we can't try to duplicate something that we've seen before, otherwise we'll mess it up. So, so don't operate the way you've seen some preacher operate. Don't pray for people like you've seen somebody pray for people. Don't try to duplicate it. Just stay humble and hungry, humble and hungry, humble and hungry, humble and hungry, humble and hungry. Gotta have you, gotta have you. If you don't put breath in my lungs, I'm not gonna be able to get up in the morning. I gotta have you, gotta have you. And when we're desperate and when we're fervent, are you connecting with this? Wow, I've only got 17 more points. Verse 2. <laughs> I won't do all the points. Oh, jeez. Uh, verse 2. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. Point number one was the Holy Spirit speaks. Point number two, the demons speak. Point number three, consciences speak. You've you got to know what your conscience feels like. When you feel that tug, 
that I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have did that. Respond. Because the scariest thing in the world will be the day that you no longer feel bad. For those of you that don't normally come on Wednesdays, I want to encourage you to keep on coming. There's something different about Wednesdays than Sundays. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something different. Isaiah dresses better for one thing, but it's... (laughs) Verse 7. I I agree. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Verse 7. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself. Everybody say, train yourself. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. You know what? I wasn't planning on doing this, but... This... This, no, no, don't count. (laughs) Am I in pain yet? This is good. This is what the Bible's saying. This is good. This is very good for you. This is what the Bible's saying. But it's going so far to say this. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better. It's much better. Push-ups is good. Going to the gym and that's all good. It's all good. That's all good. Training for godliness is better. So here's a question. What does your training routine look like? What's your training routine look like? So if if anyone here works out, I haven't lifted a weight and they're too heavy. I don't like lifting them up. <laughs> I want you to pick up that weight. Now keep picking it up, picking it up, picking it up, picking it up. Put it down, lift it up, put it down, lift it up, put it down, lift it up, put it down, lift it up. Now do that four more times. What? <laughs> Never mind. Um, if, if you work out, you have a routine. Certain days you do chest and, chest and tries. Next day you do back and biceps. Next day, you do, I don't know, shoulders and legs. Next day, you do cardio. It's your routine, which is great. The Bible is saying that's good. But it's better to have a routine. What is your routine? What is your routine? If I, if I forced you to come up here and take this Britney Spears mic off of my ear, put it on your ear, and I want you to tell everybody what is your routine? What is the answer to that question? What is your routine? Uh, I'm going to... Uh, um, this is really... Uh, this is going to be a cool moment. I have this vow of secrecy with the guys in our life group not to talk about anything that's in the life group, but I'm about to break the vow right now. Um, DG, stand up real quick. DG's in my life group. Oh, he was. (laughs) You can go ahead and sit down now, DG. Uh, DG was sharing his, how passionate he is for a relation with his, with God. And he was, he was so um, 
on fire almost when he was sharing about how awesome his prayer time has been and how awesome the Bible reading has been. So I said, hold on, DG, hold on, hold on. I want you to tell everybody, when do you pray? He was like, every day. I said, no, no, no. When? At what time of the day do you pray? He goes, well, it's usually right after I get up. I was like, and, and when you pray, where do you pray? He's like, well, I, this is where I pray. Okay, and, and when you pray, what do you talk about? He goes, well, I, I talk about these certain things right here. And, and how long do you pray? Well, I pray for, for this long right here. And then his brother piped up and goes, actually, dude, you're in that room a lot longer than that because you're reading your Bible after you pray. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. So then he reads his Bible. He can answer every single question. Where do you pray? What time do you pray? What's your routine when you pray? Where are you at in your house when you pray? What? And he can answer every single question. Because there's a routine. So let me ask you, where do you pray? What time of the day do you pray? How long do you pray? What, what topics do you cover when you pray? When do you read your Bible? What, and then I asked DJ, I said, when you read your Bible, do you just open it up to any random place and just start reading? Or, or do you pick a book and then go through it? And you know what he said? It was the coolest thing ever. He goes, no, I usually think of a word that, um, and I do this. Uh, and, and, and maybe some of you do it as well. He goes, I usually think of a word, like if I'm, you know, I'm fighting doubt or if I, I want more faith, I'll usually Google faith, scriptures on faith, and a whole bunch of scriptures will come up and then I'll read that in the Bible. I'm like, brilliant. So when I say, what is your routine? We all should have the answer to that question. Because if we don't have a routine... You have to ask yourself, what is your relationship like? You have to. You have to. You have to. You, you, you have to. What is your relationship really like if you do not have a routine? Are you just a person who believes that there is a God? Well, demons believe that. Demons believe that. Do you have a relationship with God? Here's the thing. Come up here, Omar, real quickly. It, just so you know, um, I, my mindset when you attend church here is, is to push you like this, to push you to a relationship with God. And if you're not walking and, and you're staying still, this is going to be real uncomfortable for you. It's going to be real uncomfortable for you. And, and you're going to argue with me. Man, I feel like I have a word of knowledge right now. You're going to argue with me while you're sitting in your seat. Oh. That that is not necessary. That's right. You're going to argue with me. That's not necessary. I don't have to do that. That's not necessary. I don't have to do that. Thank you. You're going to argue with me. But it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable for you to sit here in this room with me pushing you this way. And, and why is that? Because I'm completely convinced, I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that i got to stand before God on what we've talked about. i got to, I got to answer for it. Uh, I, I was reading this, uh, this, this thing, uh, I've shared this before, so forgive me if you, if you were here when I shared it, but Charles Spurgeon uh, was talking to this guy, and, and there were these two doctors talking with each other, and there were heart surgeons, and, and one heart surgeon said this to the other, he goes, how many heart surgeries have you done? And the guy was like, well, I've done 150. And the guy who did 150 looked at the other guy and goes, well, how many have you done? He goes, well, I've only done 15. He's like, Pfft. 
So the guy who did 15 looked at the guy who had 150 and said, well, how, how many people were saved? He was like, five? And he looked back at the guy that did 15 and goes, how many were saved when you were with them? When you operated them? He goes, all 15. See, the, the, the issue is not how many people are in the sanctuary. The issue is how many people are going from this sanctuary to that kingdom. How many people are going to the kingdom? I want to be neighbors with all of you. Amen. All of you. I want to be neighbors with all of you. Uh, we're all going. Everybody say amen to that. We're all going. I'm going to push you, drag you, and, and, and you're going to drag your kids, and you're going to drag each other, and, and, and all that good stuff. We're all going to have a drug problem, okay? We're going to drug, drug each other to church. <laughs> Isaiah, why don't you come on up? This is the last thing I'm going to, I'm going to read. Verse, verse, um, verse 11. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Insist that everyone. Everybody say everyone. Everyone. Here are the people that we don't ever want to be. Can I describe the person that you and I don't ever want to be? We don't want to be that Christian who only talks with other Christians and only has friends who are Christians and we've never brought anybody to church. We don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person. We don't want to be that person that says, I haven't invited somebody to church since 1983. We don't want to be that person because it's not optional for Christ followers to not reach out to everyone. That is not optional. That is not optional. So this past Sunday, um, I'm telling you, I invite somebody. Last last week, I invited four people to church. And when they don't come to church, it's disheartening. Can I just tell you, it's disheartening. What's even more disheartening is I invited somebody to church, and and they haven't been back. I invited them four weeks ago. They haven't been back. And I'm like, now I need to ask them again. And that's awkward because I don't know if they liked it or not. Um, As awkward as it is. As tough as it is, it's, we cannot be that person that doesn't reach out. We can't be that person. That, that's the person that you look at them across the room and you're like, I don't want to be like that. You, you don't want to be like that. This, this person, well, as long as I'm close with God, it doesn't matter to anyone else. You know, somebody was trying to convince me that God was coming back. Um... In, in, in the month of September. Okay? Now don't laugh because there might be some people in here that was thinking that. I was so upset with the conversation because I knew that that person was full of baloney. They didn't really believe that. They looked like they believed that, but they didn't really believe it. Because if you really, really, really believed that God was coming back, if you really, really believed that, you would be dragging people to church because they're going to be burning in hell in seven days. So you must not really believe it. This is like a game. You would be dragging people to church, dragging them, begging them, grabbing them by the shirt collar, begging them. Why am I bringing this up? 
Because we don't know when God's going to come. We don't know. Shoot, it still could happen. We're in September right now, right? This is the last day? All right, it still could happen. So I'm not trying to mock anybody. We got like six hours left, right? (laughs) We got to live recognizing that when he comes, they are going to burn in hell forever and ever and ever. They're not getting out. We cannot be that church that is happy as long as we're going. We can't be that church that the only thing we care about is that God to rescue us from our urgent problem that we have in our life right now. So we're not reaching out to anybody. We're not trying to bring anybody to church. We're not trying to teach anybody because we're really financially stressed. If you are the enemy, if you are the enemy and you knew that you shut down spiritually when you're financially stressed, what would you do? (laughs) For the rest of your life, what would you do? You shut down. No, we can't be that. We can't be. We got to be the guy that says, look, I might be financially stressed for the rest of my life. And? So what? So what? So what? What's worst case scenario? I got a downsize? Ooh, that's like a curse word in America. You know what Americans love to do? We're addicted to this word right here. Upgrade. We love to upgrade. We will go buy a new shirt just because we've wore that shirt too many times. We'll go get a new iPhone just because it's the new iPhone. We'll go get a new car. It's driving just fine, but we need a new one. We love to upgrade. We hate to downsize. Worst case scenario, you got downsized. Is that really the worst thing? I was in Guatemala, and this guy was like, had almost, he almost had tears in his eyes because he was $3,000 in debt. And I said, do you owe on your house? This is through an interpreter. He was like, no. I said, do you owe on your car? He was like, no. I said, do you have any credit card bills? He says, no. So well, where's the $3,000? He was like, well, my wife was sick, and I needed to borrow $3,000 from the bank to take her to the hospital so that she could get well. I said, okay, so you you don't have any credit card bills. You don't have any house bills. You don't have any car bills. You don't have any bills other than that $3,000. And he's like this. I said, look, I'm going to make you feel real good real fast. (laughs) I said, the average American is $250,000 in debt. Think about it. I mean... I'm, I'm more than $100,000 in debt. I owe my house. Unless your house is paid off, you're in $100,000 debt too. My two cars, so I don't have any credit card bills. I'm starting to get personal now, but I owe my house and I owe my two cars and that's the only debt I have. But that's over $100,000. So the average American has $250,000 of debt. So this Guatemalan looks at me and he goes... $250,000. He goes, do you guys like luxuries? And I, I kind of took it personal, actually. I was like, well, hold up, partner. <laughs> like, I'm 
trying to encourage you, and you're like, like, cracking on me, man. Like, let me talk to you about your mama, man. <laughs> but I got to thinking about it. And I'm like, wow, we are, we're addicted to luxuries. We want windows that go bzz, 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 bzz. We want cars that go right? I'm all over the place. I'm sorry. Let's stand to our feet.